Welcome to Health Trust's Candid Conversations podcast. This is a conversation series where we highlight physicians, clinicians, and supply chain leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. In this conversation, I talk to Dr. David Silverman, VP of Pharmacy for Prime Healthcare. David talked to me about how we partner through Pharmacy Solutions for Advisory Services. This is an episode about how Pharmacy Solutions allies with our partner organizations to drive additional value in operations and inventory management, formulary management and clinical programs, safety and quality, and leadership development and transformation. This conversation inspired me as this speaks to how we at Health Trust help our partner organizations make their missions possible. Hello, my name is Anya George, and I'm the Senior Director of Pharmacy Solutions at Health Trust. Our team serves as advisors and leaders for our partner organizations. I have the extreme pleasure of having one of our partner organizations, uh, David Silverman, the VP of Pharmacy Services from Prime Healthcare, joining me today. David, hello. How are you? Hey, Anya. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of anybody else I'd like to sit in this room with and have people kind of stop by and look at us <laughs> during a podcast. What a, fish, what, a, what a fish feels like, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, David, you know, it, it is exciting to be here with you face-to-face -face live at HTU. It's been so long since we've been able to kind of sit in the same room together and just have a a face-to-face -face conversation. We work together all the time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, via WebEx or phone call, but this, this is a great level of excitement and I'm very happy to be here with you. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, we've had a, a great partnership with the, over the past few years and I know a lot about your organization, but I'd like for you to take an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Prime Healthcare and about pharmacy services within Prime. Sure. So thank you very much. Um, so again, I'm David Silverman. I'm currently the vice president of pharmacy at Prime Healthcare. We have 45 hospitals in 14 states. Um, 30 of those hospitals are for-profit and 15 are not-for-profit. Um, the hospitals really range in size and, op and the scope of their operations. So we have some states, for example, like California, where there's 15 hospitals. Um, 14 of those hospitals are pretty close together, but one of them is pretty, you know, isolated by itself. We have states like Texas, where we have six hospitals that are in two clusters of three. And then a lot of our organization is spread out pretty far where a lot of the hospitals are by themselves. So um, Prime Healthcare uh, doubled in size pretty quickly um, in about 2017. So... We're at the point in our um, in our journey where we've really spent a lot of time through our partnership with HPG, really focusing on getting all these hospitals in different, you know, different areas and kind of isolation out of their silos towards sort of a national corporate standard. Um, we have some experience with 340B retail pharmacy and infusion services. Perfect. That was a perfect description, uh, and I, I so appreciate you for doing that. Um, what I'd like to talk about, so you talked about how you, you know, your timing for joining the GPO, for joining mm -hmm. HPG, and um, we are so, so grateful to have Prime as a member. Um, but what I'm even more grateful for um, is our dynamic and how we work together within pharmacy solutions um, within our engagement. And, you know, that work started pretty much the same time mm -hmm. as when you joined the GPO. 
And so that was a really kind of exciting engagement. It was actually a first for me for being able to work with a member as they were being newly onboarded Mm -hmm. into our group purchasing organization. Um, And so we are we've gone through phase one, phase two. We're now going into our third phase, which Mm -hmm. I think speaks a lot to the level of our engagement and our dynamic um, with your system. Um, I'd like to just take this chronologically and talk about our first phase of work together, what that looked like. And, you know, coming on board, there was a lot of onboarding uh, activity, right? So uh, getting prime team members onboarded um, and familiar with tools that the GPO offers um, from a pharmacy perspective, such as our portal where there's tons of information. I certainly can't take credit for that. Our uh, our core GPO pharmacy team manages that. But helping our uh, helping your colleagues get familiarized with all of those resources and also kind of diving into supply expense was one of our first big things. But, you know, supply expense is such a big topic. We, we had a, a focus of really looking at what types of conversion opportunities we could do from a formulary perspective. And so we created the hot list and and that's what we call all of our uh, initiative opportunity lists, the hot list. And so you and I worked very closely together in putting that hot list, constructing it. And it even gave me the opportunity to work with, that's how I got introduced to um, other uh, team members within pharmacy services and and some of your medical staff as well. Mm -hmm. It was a, a really great opportunity to kind of get embedded into Prime. And, you know, that that first year was exciting because mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't see a whole lot of return um, the first year when we get into formulary initiatives um, within the hot list. But we actually saw about half a million dollars that mm-hmm. first year. And then as we've grown each year, we've seen about a million dollars. And this year is is no exception so far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even looking at something that we've done more recently and looking at your conversion for generic um, antibiotics, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're looking at like close to $3 million with your hot list initiatives paired with that. So that's all really mm-hmm. exciting. And, you know, I, I know people uh, listening uh, love to hear the dollars and cents of it all. And, and so that's certainly something that is an exciting mm-hmm. share from our work together. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I definitely, I agree with everything you said. I think it's important to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about what led up to um, the phase one engagement. Yeah. And so I, when I joined the corporate pharmacy team, I was at that time the corporate clinical pharmacy director. So I was trying to really get my arms around the different hospitals and services and standardization initiatives. Um, and we, leading into the HPG agreement, we were, we were with another GPO and we had a similar arrangement and, um, you know, I did, there was a huge difference when we switched over to HPG with in terms of engagement and actually executing those initiatives. Some of the initiatives clinically are the same, but the way that they're able to, you were able to support us and help us really carry it through the top, through a prioritized approach. And then, you know, at, essentially saying like at the system level, this initiative makes sense. This is the direction we think you should go, but then tailoring it to the hospital level and helping us with the execution is how I think we're able to recognize some of those savings that you just mentioned today. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey. And um, I think that the GPO conversion presented a very unique opportunity for a a reset that was much needed, especially if your health system is experiencing a lot of change or a lot of disparities. So sometimes it's better to hit the reset button than trying to fix something that's already pretty broken. 
You know that that's a great but uh, a great point hitting that reset button. But you know, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's very flattering, and um, I certainly appreciate it to hear um, how we might stack up against our competitors. So very very great to hear that. And and you know, we started off with that hot list. It was a very broad approach, right? And. You know, you spoke to this yesterday at our executive pharmacy exchange, and I hope that listeners got to hear you because you did an awesome job in sharing your experience. Um, that, you know, you, you start there, but you have facilities where, you know, if you're looking at, you used Experil as an example. You know, if you have a, a small hospital where they have major issues in another space, uh, maybe it's operationally, you know, focusing on their experal spend is not going to be the best fit for them. And so you you took the opportunity, you, you made a, a leadership move in that, and you said, you know, we're going to look at this and really start to focus on um, which facilities have the strongest opportunity here mm -hmm. so that everybody's not tracking in the same way, but ultimately tracking toward the same goal. Can you elaborate a little more on that? Sure, definitely. So, um, again, because of our... Um, the diversity of our hospitals and the disparate systems, you know, we treat a lot of different patient populations. We have some very large inner city level two trauma centers and some that would almost nearly qualify as um, a rural access hospital. So they have different issues and different services. And so um, when we look at the overall 80-20 for the system or the clinical or operational opportunity at the top, you know, we're all trying to get to the overall direction of improving quality and saving, um, saving dollars and costs. But how each of those hospitals gets there is going to be a little bit different. And so the most the thing that I've learned over the past few years is just that a one size fits all approach to healthcare does not work and that you need an overall strategy that but that can be tailored to the individual needs of the site in terms of their services, their issues, but also their, you know, how do you navigate their local challenges? So that's been the approach that we've partnered together with to really assess. And it's been pretty successful. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it absolutely has been, and I think that your your um, your directors of pharmacy and your regional directors probably have a high level of appreciation for that and understanding that while, yes, there are some common goals, some big common goals, that each one of them has some unique things going on and um, really stepping back and appreciating those differences really helps with the business of pharmacy and keeping people focused. So that really kind of gives a great sum, I think, to kind of like that first year, um, you know, first couple of years into our work together. Um, a lot of uh, great um, initiatives that we worked through and um, a lot of kind of proof in the pudding with what we saw and what you were able to achieve in savings. I think just one more thing to add. I think yeah. I think there was an exercise that we did at the beginning that was sort of not unique necessarily, but it went a long way. And essentially, we graded every single opportunity in two ways. The first way was on the financial or operational impact. So is this, is this, you know, is this worth $10 million or $50,000? And then we went on to look at the operational lift required to achieve that. And so by targeting the things that had the highest financial impact with the lowest operational impact or the, the smallest operational needs or hurdles, you're able to get a lot of those upfront um, benefits with the least amount of investment. So by starting there, you start to gain momentum. So I think that for the phase one, I think that was probably one of the earlier things we did in that engagement to help us be successful. 
Yeah, you know, that is a great call out. And, and another consideration that we took into it was, you know, how many things do we have going at once, right? So we Gantt charted all of that out. We made movement when we had to make movement or adjustment. So nothing is, just like anything else in this world, nothing was stagnant. It wasn't just there and cemented. Yeah, um, thanks for, for bringing that forward. You know, that leads us right into to the big year of um, kind of like what in the world. So 2020, and um, I had the, the luxury of being there with your organization, kind of being able to observe um, how you maneuvered that. Um, and I'd love to hear about um, your thoughts into how the management during pan the pandemic, um, I mean, we're still going through it, so I hate to make it sound like we're closed out, but, you know, how that's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, we all have. And um, a big part of that is how do you actually measure success? And looking back, I think that for from the pharmacy perspective, um, a big part of measuring success is what was the clinical impact on the patient at the end of the day? What were the challenges that the hospitals and people at the bedside faced? And were those challenges preventable? Could you have prevented them through your actions early on? And a big part of that was drug shortage mitigation and um, the clinical utilization of certain drugs early on in the pandemic when there was no, you know, concrete treatment protocols, people were doing, you know, the medical literature was changing literally daily. And a, yes. si a single tweet could cause a drug shortage <laughs> on a drug that doesn't even make sense. And there was all these off the wall protocols coming from doctors on YouTube. And so how do you fight all of that? And um, at the end of the day, I, I'm very happy to say that because of our national strategy, our proactive strategy that we had on stockpiling, you know, the fundamental critical care support type of medications that we didn't have any severe drug shortages. At the end of the day, the people at the bedside didn't need to worry about, is there gonna be propofol to sedate this patient? So I think that that part of the strategy um, really helped out, but we wouldn't have been able to, you know, stockpile those medications without our strong partnerships with our GPO through the controlled channel and through our, um, our wholesaler um, partners as well. And some of the other things that um, we did in partnership with the GPO that I think were successful is that Anya actually started these, um, I think there were weekly calls with other health systems. And um, you know, there were lit serves on ASHP, there were all these things, but there's a lot of noise. And so how do you cut through the noise when everybody's saying different things and you know, really just a small group of people in different parts of the country um, talking. And when you start to hear that you're having the same problems, you start to realize that you're sort of on the, the right track. And through being on the right track, you're able to really think about the best approach and collaborate. And so um, really that was kind of our um, strategy and partnerships. But, um, you know, after the pandemic sort of died down for the past few months, uh, we started to see a lot of the old habits from the health systems coming back. Like, yeah. <laughs> why isn't this conversion done? Um, why is your spend? Why was your spend so high? And now we're at the point now where the pandemic is actually seems like it's starting to pick up again. So I think the cycle is getting ready to repeat itself. But I do think that we're better positioned now because of the work that we did earlier to um, tackle this. Absolutely. And, you know, you're everyone did this work of um, strengthening communication. Um, but I just had the, the opportunity to be able to to listen in with your team. And so all of that communication shared, you know, understanding inventory um, was a big deal. And I think that was actually a sore point for a lot of organizations going in and being able to kind of 
identify how are we going to look at our inventory so that we understand what we have and, you know, if we can shift it around. And that's something that you started working on almost immediately. So, you know, that I think that um, in any conference, in any pocket of any type of uh of platform where there is um, a healthcare topic, there's going to be conversation around COVID. So I, I, we're going. I'm glad that we stepped into it. We're now going to step out of it a little bit and talk about what our next phase of work looked like. And so, you know, we we ha at this point had done a lot together. And, um, you know, one of the things that came up, you know, you had transitioned from the corporate clinical director um, role and had already uh, gone into the VP of pharmacy role. And one of your big things was, you know, really making your group as cohesive as possible. And so we had discussions on that. Um, it was on my radar to really have a strong focus on leadership development and transformation as a service offering. So we've, we've partnered in that and we've started uh, basically a pilot to kind of launch what those activities can look like. And, um, I'm pretty proud of, of the work that we've done so far. We've done some really kind of small things, but I, I feel like they've had a big impact. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I think it's even more, it's becoming more and more relevant in our current environment because a lot more work is going remote. Um, for my organization in Prime, you know, again, 45 hospitals, 14 states, and we have different regions. So a lot of my team is remote. I don't get to see them every day. And, uh, you know, Zoom meetings are okay, but um, I realized that a lot of the work that we did during the first phase of the engagement, we got a lot of traction, a lot of success, but then I started to realize, okay, you know, the processes are okay now, and it starts to uncover other weaknesses. And I started to recognize, you know, collaboratively with the team through feedback and Anya that, you know, I think we have a, a people problem now, not in a bad way, but in the sense that we're not a cohesive team. We spend all our time focusing on problems and not people. So in order to sharpen the saw or catalyze the remaining conversions, um, we thought that it would be a good point in time to start investing in developing our people so that they're more efficient at executing things, operating as a team and leading the, you know, their respective uh, departments. So that's really where we decided to uh, focus our energy on um, during the second phase of the engagement. Um, but also on top of that, we had some very large scale longitudinal projects. So after we completed the um, first phase of the engagement, we really invested a lot on the, um, the process part of the issue. And we started to recognize collaboratively that we had more of a people issue than a process issue at that point. And not in, not in the negative sense, but in the sense that um, we have these initiatives, but maybe we could catalyze their conversions or their execution better if we start to invest in the people on the team and their leadership. So what we decided to do, um, you, you had helped us to um, do leadership development and training. And then you also helped us with um, some of the, the more complex longitudinal projects we had difficulty getting off the ground because you had experience with other health systems. So, um, yeah, so that was really the kind of the scope of phase two. And I think yeah. that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you laid that out so perfectly because, you know, when we started to think, about leadership development and transformation and what that could really bring. That was one of the big things that came up. How do we help our partners better execute on what's before them? Mm -hmm. Whether it's something that we're working on together or, or something that they need to, that they have on the horizon to work on independently. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I've definitely seen an improvement in how your team identifies with each other and um, works with one another. Because mm-hmm. some of it was even just, you know, to your point, you, you don't get to see each other. And, you know, not being able to have those face-to-face conversations sometimes um, it can be difficult, can prove a challenge, but mm-hmm. identifying even simple things as to this is a new team member and this is the role because you had to go in and, uh, you know, being newer in your role, that was one of the things you kind of had to untwist, right? Yeah. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we collaborate. Yeah. And, th- and one of the things that you really helped me to do, because you have a lot of experience in leadership development and how HCA operates and Prime, um, HCA is a very large organization with regions and Prime is not as large, but similar in some ways and different in others. And you kind of helped me understand um, how even even going back to the basics, looking at job descriptions of these of, of my team, and it's like everybody has a different style, but they all have the same they all have the same job description. So when people have different styles, different strengths, but are supposed to accomplish the same job in different scenarios, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. And so really breaking down the barriers through that team building goes a long way. So if, some, if there's an issue in one region, they need to be comfortable enough to talk to their team member in the other region and say, hey, can you help me out? There shouldn't right. be any walls up. And you really helped, I think, start that conversation through a very open and honest type of engagement. Well, thank you, David. I, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that it's had the impact that, that I, we were aiming for because that's where we're kind of carrying forward Um, forward to with phase three is emphasizing that work and really um, moving forward with strengthening, continuing to strengthen, strengthen that alignment, strengthen that collaboration um, and helping people to feel like they're being developed and knowing not just feel like it, but knowing that they are being developed. Um, So I'm very excited for what phase three uh, brings forward to us because uh, actually today, Today starts phase three. Did you know that? No. (laughs) I'll wait for the invoice. (laughs) (laughs) What a great way to kick it off. Yeah. So, um, you know, any last, um, any last big points or anything else that you really want to share with us before um, we close out on today's recording? Yeah. So I I read something interesting about, um, I read something interesting recently and essentially it said that um, health systems are sort of like 86% back to their baseline in terms of operation, Mm -hmm. but that does not include the backlog of issues that were unaddressed from the past 18 months. And um, I think it's for pharmacy, especially it's very difficult to navigate articulating the impact of COVID on our spend, you know, Mm -hmm. retail pharmacy, 340B impact, infusion services, um, and life goes on too, right? We have EMR conversions, ADC conversions, and hospital acquisitions and things of that nature. So I think that being um, effective in this space right now is becoming increasingly difficult. And I think that unless you have a very strong partnership with your GPO members like Anya or um, your wholesalers, I think it becomes increasingly challenging to navigate in this sort of environment right now. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, having been a facility leader um, in a former life, um, you know, those are the things that you have to really understand how to leverage your opportunities. Now, I, I was a facility leader in HCA, so it was a little bit different, but um, you, you still have to understand how you can leverage your resources. And, you know, that, that is exactly what we're here for. We're here to help our partners 
help our members be able to identify what needs exist, um, you know, what things are going really well and what can be extrapolated across the system or, um, you know, where some fixes might need to occur. And, you know, also to help strengthen that voice for higher level conversations. You know, a, a lot of our, what I've seen over the years is that a lot of times the pharmacy voice gets lost because there is not a, a strong or effective way to communicate the needs to the executives who mm -hmm. need to hear it. And so, you know, that that's what we're here for, to help pharmacies, to help pharmacist leaders be successful in their aims. Yeah, 100%. And I appreciate it. And you guys are great at what you do. So <laughs> well, thanks. You're great at what you do. And oh, thank you. Thank you for being such a great partner and such a good sport. Um, this this is uh, the most unique setting. I love it because we have people looking in at us and we're looking at at people and it, it's been a great experience. <laughs> thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health Trust's Candid Conversations podcast. Please visit education.healthtrustpg.com to find additional resources and to listen to more of our candid conversations.